Welcome to Nitty Gritty Reviews, the movie review podcast that uses a unique grid rating system to discuss a movie's weaknesses and celebrate its strengths. I'm Rachel, and my co-host for this mini-episode today is Tristan. Hi. So this is uh, what I'm calling season 1.5. I'm uh, basically doing a handful of mini-episodes to go through each category of the grid, uh, which means that today we're going to be talking about the... Uh, acting and casting category of the grid. So we'll be defining each of the five subcategories and giving some examples of movies that we would award high scores to. Uh, Be sure to keep an eye out in the coming weeks for more mini episodes uh, talking about each of the categories of the grid and we'll also be having a mini episode summing up our reviews of uh, phases one and two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in preparation for the launch of season two on Monday. Monday, January 7th with uh, Captain America Civil War. So now that all of that, uh, all those housekeeping duties are out of the way, is there anything you'd like to uh, kick us off with for this category before we start talking about each of the subcategories? Uh, I had a hard time with this category, harder than the previous two, the writing categories, and I think because it's not very often that a movie stands out for the acting and casting, at least for me. Hmm, okay. Uh, I don't know, maybe I just don't pay as much attention to it. Uh, like, pe- I hear people talk about someone's, you know, amazing performance, or, like, that it's terrible acting, and I don't know, most of the time it's just acting. I don't know. Alright. I, uh, I also had a little bit of a hard time with this category, or with this mini-episode, um, but mostly just because I didn't want to put a Natalie Portman movie for every single category. <laughs> Although I considered going that route, yeah. uh, but I kind of split the difference. It's about 50-50. Okay. So that, I guess on that note, um, let's dive on in. Let's go for it. All right. So the first subcategory within acting and casting is going to be line deliveries, which basically I just define as, do the characters sound believable? Um, Not too hard to define that one, but maybe a little bit harder to come up with examples of what a good example of line deliveries would be. What did you come up with? Uh, uh, You may have chosen the same thing. I chose the movie Jackie. Damn it, so did I. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's funny because, um, like, when you hear the way she talks, sometimes it seems like, oh, that's kind of a weird choice or, like, a weird way of wording things like this weird like half whisper breathy speaky weird way of talking but then when you see actual videos of Jackie herself talking it's spot on Mm -hmm. it is it's spooky yeah accurate it is it is yeah it's insane and I think it was uh, like that accent was like an upper class way of speaking oh yeah upper class east coast yeah yeah. Yeah, I picked the same thing for sure. I mean, I I don't want to get too into it because this is going to be a movie that's going to get reviewed in season two of Nitty Gritty Reviews. Um, and I know, I know it's going to get talked about a lot. So I don't want to get too into it. But I will say that I like deep dived into my obsession with this movie. Saw it in theaters three times yeah. and then bought it the digital version because it came out like two weeks earlier and then I watched on that and then I bought the DVD 
or the Blu-ray or whatever, because I like having hard copies. Like, I like having... I don't usually get digital things, right. at least not with movies. But with that one, I was like, I can't wait two weeks to watch it again. Like, I was really obsessed with this movie. And part of my... That was true. It's true. And and part of my obsession wasn't just with the movie itself, but with with Jackie Kennedy, with with her as a historical figure. And I listened to all, like, what is it, 10 hours, 5 hours, however long it is, of the the Jackie tapes or whatever they call oh, it, the where it's that... like the, the interviews with her right. that like, like she, like as part of the interviews, she's like, okay, you cannot release these until 50 years after my death or no, it must have not been 50 years after her death, 50 years after the date of the recording or 10 years after right. her, there was some stipulation and whatever that stipulation was, it passed in like 2015 or something. So they're pretty new to the public. And, and I listened to them all and I was like, I cannot tell the difference between Natalie Portman and her. Yeah. When you hear the speaking voices, like it's not just the accent, it is everything about her performance. It's phenomenal. So I had to pick Jackie because even though it's just the one actor, like I, I, I thought about trying to think of something that, you know, was like more of an ensemble. It's like, oh, every character um, or every actor just had phenomenal line deliveries. But that one stood out that apparently for both of us. So. All right. Solid example. <laughs> um, so that's going to bring us to the second category, then, unless there's anything you want to add. Nope. Not surprised that we both picked that. I guess I'm not either. I'm all, like, bummed out, though. I, I like <laughs> how, I usually, I've been coming up with backups in case that happened, and right. I didn't for this one, and I guess this is the one I should have. Um, oh, well. All right, so then the next subcategory is going to be physicality, uh, which was previously in season one I referred to as face acting, and I decided to rename it slightly for season two because I think it's really it's more than just reactions and facial expressions that can encompass you know posturing and you know, fight scenes would fall under that like anything that's not line deliveries that's a part of the, the, the performance um or I guess I could just read what I wrote for the description uh, do the characters look believable in their facial expressions and body language uh, so with that said what example did you pick um, I, I thought of a movie, but I just now thought of an, a specific actor. Okay. So for the movie, I chose Ghost World. Okay. Uh, I saw that a long time ago. I know that you have it, Rachel. I don't think we've seen it together. I don't think so. But it's... It's, it's one of my least, not least favorite, but less liked Scarlett Johansson movies. Yeah. It's one of her first ones. Yeah. Uh, it has some other girl about her age. Thora Birch. Thor Birch, okay. I guess that's a name I should know. <laughs> uh, and a couple other people, but um, a lot of it's Scarlett Johansson and her face acting. She's really like at the top of the list of face actors. Yeah, in that's my mind, completely at least. fair. Yeah. And I think uh, from what I remember, everyone did a really good job of. Mostly, they just looked like slightly confused and pissed off at each other the whole time, <laughs> which, yeah. from what I understand, is uh, pretty realistic. For female friends at that age. Fair enough. But then the actor that I thought of uh, has played a few characters on s different Star Trek series. And it's the one who plays Kalar, Worf's baby mama. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else she's been in. Uh, she's played a few different characters. And each one, she has like a very different physicality to her. Pam? Like how she stands and moves and like her, she's very direct in some roles and... Uh, I think she's played like three or four roles, and they're all very different, and th they all really stand out, and they were memorable to me, even though I don't remember which ones were which. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if you look her up on like Memory Alpha or something, you'll recognize it. 
All right. Well, now I'm thinking about what I would pick for an actor, um, and it's not difficult. I'll, I'll say that next. But for the for the movie that I picked, uh, I went with another Natalie Portman one. Uh, I wanted to go with more of the, the body language aspect or the you know other types right. of physicality, since we focused much more on you know face acting, quote unquote, right. for season one, and I you know added a little bit more to the definition for season two. So I wanted to focus on that a little bit more for my example. So I picked Black Swan. Um, oh yeah, another Natalie Portman movie, of course, and you know she's just and it's not just. I mean, it, the dancing is a big part of it. She did not as much of her own dancing as. Uh, I think a lot of people want you to believe. I think it was like 80% maybe. It was really promoted as like she did all of it, but it, not quite. Yeah. Uh, but she did a lot of it. And, you know, just really um, just encompassed this character and everything she did. Um, you know, not just the dancing, like her posture was a little different. The way she, you know, just the way she moved when she wasn't dancing was right. just very specific to this character. Very, you know, starts off very timid and ends up, Aggressive, or however yeah. you would define the confident, I guess is the best word for it. By the end of the movie, she's playing two different people, and you can exactly. tell which one is mm-hmm. which just by her posture, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. So, so I went with with Black Swan for for a movie example. If we're going for actor, I mean, I do think <laughs> Natalie Portman would probably be one of them, just because yeah, every single character she plays, aside from maybe Jane Foster, where she's just a person. Yeah. Um, but that's not her fault. That's just, that's who the character is. But most of the time, like no matter what the role is, she completely embodies it and you forget you're watching Natalie Portman. And it's like, oh man, that was such a good movie. Oh, of course it was. It was Natalie Portman. <laughs> As opposed to like, oh, it was Natalie Portman. I guess I liked that movie. Like it's, right. you know, the order is, oh, it's a good movie. Oh, I guess that's because she's in it and she does such a good job in everything she's in. Like it's, it's a right. reversal of, I think a lot of actors that I like at least where it's like, Oh, I'll see that. Cause they're in it. Oh, okay. I guess that was fun. But mostly I just like that actor, you right, know, right. there's, there's a difference. And Scarlett Johansson definitely has the, the face acting down as far as, you know, everything you said with your answer with ghost world, trying to think of there's, there's a lot of different specific movie examples I could go with, but I think I'm going to save them because uh, cause there's some good ones out there. But Doug Jones. I, I was just thinking of that, too. Yeah, probably. He's getting to be a little bit more of a household name. He's in Star Trek Discovery. Speaking of Star Trek, uh, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know the character's name. But I'm guessing he wears a ridiculous amount of makeup. Yeah. That's, that's his thing. He's he's a, a creature actor. Um, he was Silver Surfer. Not his voice, but his body in those god-awful abominations. Um, of the Fantastic Four movies. <laughs> I don't know why I went there with my first example. Yeah, I, way to way to set the bar low <laughs> to work up, I guess. But the character looked cool. He did a great job. It was just an awful script. And he didn't even get to use his own voice, which was insulting. But um, but he did that. He was in the, the Hellboy movies. He was Abe Sapien. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, Pan's Labyrinth. He plays uh, the Fawn and the, the Pale Man. In that yeah. movie, he plays both of those. Uh, he's even in Hocus Pocus. He plays uh, oh. the headless guy. Was his name Billy for some reason, I want to say? Um, yeah. I just reviewed that movie with M, and I've already forgotten the character's name. But the headless guy, you know. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he's on tons and of the movies. The Shape of Water? Oh, yeah, Shape of Water. That's uh, easily his most recognizable to date. Um, probably right up there with Pan's Labyrinth, but that's a little bit more... 
specific to cinephiles, I guess. But yeah, that is a good choice right there. Yeah, he's just phenomenal, and I'm, and he's great with line deliveries too. Like in Pan's Labyrinth, like he's not a Spanish speaker. He learned those lines, phonetic. Like he basically learned Spanish for that, or at least lines of Spanish. Obviously, he's not fluent in the language now or anything, but like. He's not a Spanish speaker, and he was still, in all of that makeup, doing all of that stuff physically, and delivering the lines in a language that was not his own. Like, I really, I have nothing but respect for him, and I think he's a, a phenomenal actor, and I'm glad he's kind of becoming a household name-ish, or at least if you name things he's in, people are like, oh yeah, that guy. But I think a lot of people don't even, especially in this age of CGI, people don't even think of, of an actor behind all that makeup. So anyway, that was a, a, a bit off topic. That wasn't even the answer that I wrote down, but uh, you sparked my, not imagination, my... That tangent? I guess, yeah. Anyway, uh, so is there, is there anything else you'd like to add for physicality before we move on to casting main characters? Nope, I agree with everything you said. All right. Uh, so, so casting main characters. I'm curious what you're going to say, because I think my answer... Uh, people are either going to really, really agree with, or I'm going to get a lot of heat for it. Uh, but let's hear yours first. This one was kind of tough for me. Well, they all were, but this one especially. But eventually, I decided on Lost in Translation. Okay, I wasn't expecting that answer, but... Yeah. A uh, big part of that is Bill Murray. Yeah. Um, I think starting with Rushmore, he had like the tragicomic Absolutely, yeah. Uh, feel to him, and that's really apparent in this movie, and it's really central to his character. Uh, and so that's perfect casting and perfect acting. He did a great job at it. And uh, Scarlett Johansson uh, yeah. also did a great job. And I feel like, I don't know, I always get the vibe like she feels like someone who's older than she actually is. Or Oh, yeah. Especially more mature or something yeah. yeah so like that really helps in that movie i think yeah um so again just great casting uh by choosing her and she did a great job of uh being her in that movie <laughs> yeah all right so my answer i'll say off the top i was gonna pick a marvel movie i didn't have one in mind but i was like there's so much good okay. casting that's in the true. Marvel movies, but A, we talk about Marvel a lot on this podcast, which is not a bad thing at all, but I yeah. wanted to think of something um, that maybe doesn't get mentioned as often. Um, so that was A. And B, I'm not very familiar with the comic books. Oh, you talk about this quite a bit in our yeah. Marvel Monday series. Like, you don't want to give a perfect 10, because it's like, well, I don't know how the adaptation is. Like, a lot of people seem to like it, but if, you know, if you're not familiar with the comic books, it's a lot harder to say... Like, oh my god, that was perfect casting. I can't picture anyone else as this character. Um, they still get there, I think, but it's it's a little harder to say definitively. Right, right. Uh, so I didn't want to go with Marvel. But then I thought, for as much as I struggle with the movies, the DC extended universe, I think, has some damn good casting. Again, I'm probably going to get some okay. heat for this because I even like, I, I'm a fan of Batfleck. I, <laughs> I think he's a great Batman. And even more than that, I think he's a much better Bruce Wayne than anybody else we've seen so far. Yeah. For someone who's like a little little older, a little getting kind of tired of this, looking forward yeah. to retiring, maybe passing the torch on. Exactly. Yeah. Which gets into the writing where it's weird they went that direction 
with a first movie in a franchise, why not cast someone younger, build up for 10 years, and then do that? Like, Marvel is leading in the direct direction. But that's not the casting's problem. That's the writing's problem. That's the direction the script went. They cast for the script. And I think they did a great job. I think so, too. Um, Jason Momoa has Aquaman. I don't want to get too into <laughs> it because, you know, respect for my boyfriend here. But <laughs> I like that casting. And I am a sucker for Aquaman. I'm excited for the movie, even though yeah, it's probably going to be bad. But casting-wise, man... That's good. Gal Gadot. Like, they're all... Uh, I, I think it's just really solid casting. It's a shame the writing's not better. Because um, those movies have a lot of strong points. People love to shit on them. And it's 95% because the writing is so bad. Every other category in the grid... Yeah. Especially acting and casting. Particularly focusing on the casting. Although the acting is pretty good, too. Little weaknesses here and there. But pretty solid. But yeah, so I wanted to give give that some love because it's not all bad there's a lot to celebrate with those movies even if yeah there's a lot of weaknesses too um but i think the casting is perfect i love the casting so i hope i'm not opening too many floodgates i know this is a very contentious point but that's kind of the spirit of this podcast is celebrating the strengths screw you everyone else (laughs) screw you everyone who disagrees with me disagree with me all you want. I mean, I know people, especially with Batfleck, I know people don't necessarily love that choice, and that's perfectly fine. I also don't have a huge attachment to the character of Batman. Uh, I mean, growing up, my dad's a big fan of Superman, so I always grew up with, you know, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. We watched that. Yeah. And watched a little bit of Justice League here and there with my dad, a little bit of uh, a couple of Batman shows, I think. So, I mean, I'm I'm much more familiar with these characters than I am with Marvel pre-movies. You know, now I'm probably more familiar in general with Marvel because I've seen so many of the movies. Right. And I love them so much. You've had 10 years of it. Exactly. Uh, but as far as what comes before the movies, I'm definitely more versed in DC. And I think the, the casting there is, is really spot on. Uh, all right. Is there anything you would like to add for casting main characters? Nope. All right. So then that's going to bring us into casting secondary characters. I forgot to even read the... I kind of assume with these these subcategories it's pretty self-explanatory what i mean by casting main characters and casting secondary characters but for it's basically could anyone else play these characters if the answer is yes it's going to get a lower score if the answer is no it's going to get a higher score but anyway casting secondary characters could anyone else play the secondary characters but what example did did you give this one also took me a long time to think of I guess I'm not being as strict as with main characters because with Lost in Translation, there's basically two main characters. Yeah. And I cannot imagine anyone else playing those and that movie being as good as it is. Yeah. Whereas with secondary characters, you might have five, ten. Sure. And if you replace one, like it's it's not like it's going to be a totally different movie, probably. Sure. Um, but uh, for a, a movie that I thought had really good secondary characters, I chose Wind River. Okay. Which was, what, a year ago? Two years ago? I think it was 2016. Yeah. So the the main characters, that's pretty good and everything, but there's like some some small town cops. I thought that was great casting. There's a bunch of Native Americans. I thought that was all really good casting and acting. Yeah. Uh, There's, what is it, a mining crew? Oh, yeah. Or whatever. And those those guys, that was really good casting. Yeah. Just, I, I thought all of the casting of the secondary characters was really, really good. 
nothing stood out as like a bad choice or like a mistake. So, I, I mean, maybe you could replace one character and it would be just as good, but whatever. I, I thought the secondary casting was really good and acting was really good. All right. I was not expecting that answer. I haven't even, uh, that movie hasn't even made it into my collection yet. Yeah, I wasn't uh, expecting that either. It took me a while to find that one. All right. Uh, so my answer is not uh, a traditional one. I, I went a little bit of a different route. I didn't go so much, I don't know, now that I'm looking at the description that I myself wrote of could anyone else play these <laughs> secondary characters? Um, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, sure, probably other people could play them. But the movie I picked is a little-known 2007 sci-fi movie called Inalienable. This movie is not good. It's a very, very bad movie. Huh. It's like a, a how-did-this-get-made cow. I've suggested it to them multiple times, and they've ignored me, but I they need to do... An in inalienable, and then William Shatner's Groom Lake double feature from one oh, of their wow. live shows. I really want them to do it. Oh, was inalienable someday. the one with Marina Sirtis? Yes, which is which is part of why I picked it for secondary casting. I, I pulled it up on IMDb. I mean, so first of all, written by none other than Walter Koenig. That's right. And starring uh, Richard Hatch is the main guy, uh, but then here's some of the people within the secondary. Uh, secondary casting, you have Walter Koenig is in there. Um, what kind of order is this in? Marina Sirtis is in here. Pretty sure there's other. Th this is not very exciting. Um, pretty sure there's a lot of other Star Trek people in there. I just remember watching it and being like, oh, that guy. Oh, she's in this? Oh, he's in yeah, this. Like, it was yeah. like, it was practically like a, a Star Trek reunion, except not even from the same. Like, <laughs> not like it was just TNG. It was like all over the place. Yeah. Um, and looking at these, I think a lot of these people are people that I recognize their faces and not their names because right. I'm not the best sci-fi nerd out there. Um, so it, this was not as exciting as I thought it was going to be going through the IMDb page. But I highly recommend it to anybody who likes sci-fi. It's a bad movie, but it's <laughs> amazing. Uh, I would love to review it on the podcast someday. I just need to figure out a way to do it. Like, I don't like making fun of things, especially something like this that's like somebody's labor of love. And they, they really put a lot of, of, like, it's not like a Sharknado where it's supposed to be bad. Right. Um, so I feel really awful. I, I guess I've said it's bad like 10 times now. I should stop. But um, but the casting is something that I, I really did appreciate and thought was great and, and really made it something that I love to go back to and watch, even though it's not very good. Um, it's just fun. So, like, it feels like a bunch of friends hanging out and, like, let's make a movie, which is probably pretty much what happened. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Anyway, all right, is there anything you want to add for casting secondary characters? I'm going in some weird directions with this episode. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. And back. Yep. Uh, no, I'm good. I think enough was said about that. All right. Uh, so now we're going to get into, uh, at least for me, this was easily the hardest one for me to come up with. And that's extras slash tertiary characters, which used to just be extras. I did yeah. add, because um, essentially the way I had it before, I mean, extras are anybody who doesn't talk. So the way I had it categorized before was casting main characters, casting secondary characters, and then extras, which means anybody who has just one line would automatically become a secondary character. In my mind, at least, that's the way I categorized it. And I didn't like that, so I added tertiary characters for people that are, like, in one scene or have one line. Right. You know, not not a secondary character, not really important to the plot, 
but not technically categorized as extras either because they have some sort of speaking line. Uh, and I guess I should read my definition. Uh, so do the extras slash tertiary characters blend into the world or stick out like a sore thumb? Obviously, the former is good and the latter is bad. Uh, so what did you pick for extras tertiary characters? I also had a hard time with this one. And I picked two different movies for basically the same reason. Okay. I don't know if I thought about this for like an extra week or something. I could probably think of like a really good example. But what I came up with was The Truman Show or Titanic. Very different, but solid choices. I particularly like The Truman Show. It's a really good choice. Yeah, because there's extras like within the uh, in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, And that's kind of funny to see that. But then there's extras like the entire world is watching this TV show and they cut to it multiple times. There's people in some dive bar. There's people in, you know, some fancy hotel lobby, people at home. I think there's some guy in a bathtub with a little portable TV. My sister and I did not like him. That part was stupid. <laughs> when we, we reviewed uh, The Truman Show in season one. Oh, yeah. He was mentioned specifically. Uh, I haven't seen that movie. I, like, I saw it once when it came to Netflix, probably. You didn't watch it with me and my sister? I guess you didn't. No, hmm. I don't think so. Um, but I, I just always liked all the different people and their reactions and all that. And it was really fun and neat. And then Titanic, for similar reason, you have different classes and each class uh like they look like they belong there and they act like they belong there and they walk and talk differently and uh there's a lot of people a lot of extras and one of my favorite tertiary characters the old man who says let's all have some brandy (laughs) or something like that i think he was a secondary character wasn't that the architect who built the ship i don't know i guess he was still pretty tertiary but he had more than just that one line well, that was the only good line. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I picked those two movies for basically the same reason. They got a lot of casts, uh, and they're very distinct and memorable, and really sort of flesh out the world that it takes place in. Fair enough. So I picked a TV show for my answer, which is kind of admittedly cheating with this one, because <laughs> by its nature, TV shows, like, the extras are going to play more of a role than in a movie. Yeah. Like, that's just right. kind of a given. Um, so it's kind of cheating, but I think it's a good answer. I'm, I'm happy with this answer. I think the TV show, not the movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because... Oh, that's a good one. There are so many extras, particularly in, like, the first two seasons, where it's like, oh, that guy gets, gets like, his own episode. Like, Jonathan, was an, Danny Strong, was an extra in the first, like, three seasons, and then just shows up in season four as, like, character with lines and stuff. Like, that's... That's amazing. Like, they just cast the actors or, you know, the extras so well that they, you know, built relationships, saw talent, and were like, we're going to give you something bigger. And I think that's phenomenal. That's a great way to go about it. And especially with a show like that, where it takes place in a small town, and then on top of that, the first three seasons take place in a high school, which is an even more extreme version of a small town. Like, you've just taken this, this small population and made it even smaller. And so you see these same faces in the background over and over and over again. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's that student. Oh, person's in, in this class with Buffy or whatever. I'm, even I am not a big enough nerd to know every extra and know, like, what scenes they show <laughs> up in. But there's definitely a few where it's like, like oh, there's Jonathan. Yeah, he, he's been a, a student there since the beginning. Of course he has. Why wouldn't he? It's Sunnydale High. Where else is he going to go to school? So I picked that because I... It's mostly Jonathan that sticks out. I know there's at least one other. I'm trying to remember who it is, though. 
But I know there's at least one or two other people that started off as extras and then later on get... Not necessarily. It's not like every character gets a superstar episode, which is Jonathan's episode's name. I'm a bigger nerd, <laughs> nerd. of that show than I thought. <laughs> it's a good episode, though. They even redid the opening credits. I love stuff like that. It's fantastic. It's a good episode. And he started off as a non-speaking extra for two years. It's great. Anyway. Good pick. Thank you. Uh, so now on to the bad example. So this one, instead of giving bad examples for all of the subcategories, I just want to do, uh, like we've been doing for all of these mini episodes, one example of a movie that would score badly in, you know, the average score of all these five subcategories would be less than five out of ten, essentially, is, is how I've been defining a bad score. So that said, what movie or TV show, I suppose, would yeah. you give a bad score to for acting and casting in these subcategories? What I chose was the 2008 Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton as Bruce Banner and Liv Tyler as Betty Ross. That was some weird casting. That was not good casting. Yeah. Even like the secondary characters. Well, one of them was like a general or something. He was all right. Yeah. Um, Mr. Ross, <laughs> Daddy Ross, isn't that yeah. what we kept calling him in the room? Daddy too? Ross. <laughs> we couldn't remember his first name. <laughs> um, yeah, that was all right. But everything else, I just, the casting, especially Edward Norton as Bruce Banner, he just seemed like a, uh, like not really a high school kid, but like college freshman or something. Like you should not be like this world-class scientist. It just yeah. felt weird and I just didn't. I didn't really care that much. I don't know. Like, there was nothing there. And their relationship was, like, again, nothing there. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler was doing that whisper talk. Whisper talking. She does not pull it off like Natalie Portman. Yeah. She's not Jackie. No, she was not Jackie. Here's your towels. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That, uh, That acting was so flat and just... And they're talented Boring. actors. Yeah, and, I've seen them in was, other things, especially Edward Norton. Let's yeah. I've seen in a couple things. Yeah. But yeah, they're talented, but there was like no talent in this. It was just flat and boring. I don't know if they were bored when they were recording it. I don't know if... I don't think Ed Norton was because he was like directing half the movie yeah, randomly. I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't know why they got cast. I don't know why they acted it the way they did. I don't know why I've seen that movie two times. Yeah, it's two times too many. That is, in my opinion, an example of bad casting and bad acting and bad line deliveries and bad physicality and just a bad time. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. Uh, So I picked my answer. I don't think I'm going to get a lot of heat for this like I might for my Justice League answer earlier, but this is another... I'm not trying to open up a can of worms (laughs) here, but the Star Wars prequels, the uh, which is not, and this is particularly why why I picked it is because it's not the actor. So same thing with yours, like we were saying, yeah, like they're talented that's, actors. That's a good choice. But man, to make Natalie Portman look like a bad actor, like that's and I and it comes down to like it's that had to have been like a directing it, it choice. It was absolutely a directing choice. Like he kept going, no, no, no. Flatter. flatter. Yeah. yeah. More bored. Don't yeah. open your mouth when you talk. Don't have any facial expression. Exactly. So the like the line deliveries and the physicality. I mean, the fight scenes were good. It would get a little bit of a bump in physicality for like yeah. some of the lightsaber fight scenes. Because um, those are fantastic. 
But as far as like the facial expressions and the line deliveries, that would get low scores. And then the casting, if you're, what I don't understand, what, what confuses me the most about that, like if that's, if that was his vision, George Lucas, if that, right. if he was like, like, okay, this is the type of performance I want. Like that's, <laughs> that's fine. I, it's weird. But, like, okay, if that's the movie you want to make, this is your movie, this is your universe, do whatever you want with it. Fans were mad, but whatever. Like, it's it's his thing. It doesn't belong to the fans. It's his. Do what you sure. want, Mr. Yeah. Lucas. But why? If that's the performance that you want, <laughs> why would you cast Natalie Portman? Or, uh, what's his name? Christian? Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. Or Ewan McGregor. Yeah, like, they're all talented in other things that they did before this. Right, and after. Yeah. The ones that, that didn't ruin their career. That poor kid who was in those movies, I can't even remember his name, but he's had no chance. I mean, that was even what he wanted to do. It's hard to tell with kid actors, but yeah. his career was ruined before it started. He had no chance after that. Like, it just... Yeah. Ugh, man. Um... So, yeah, so I picked the Star Wars prequels. I'm not a big fan. That is a good choice. I'm not a big fan of picking on movies, and I know that movie gets picked on, um, and this is kind of the opposite of what I did with Justice League, where I'm like, okay, guys, this movie gets picked on, but look, they did this really well. Let's focus on that. Um, And I'm doing the opposite, which I don't like to do. I don't like to be negative, but, like... Why did why did he make those choices? They were bad choices. Yeah, um, that, and it, it would give every every single subcategory in this. I guess maybe extras tertiary characters would get kind of high, um, or at least not below expectations. But yeah, I think your choice is. Uh, I I agree hundred percent. That is one of the worst acting and, and they were told to act that right. Which I mean, so much of that makes no sense. Like you said, why would you? Hire those people, choose those people, and then tell them to be bad right. and, and to do the opposite of what they would naturally do. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's what I picked. That is a good pick. So the question this week, who is your favorite actor or actress and why? And before we give our answers, um, I did ask this question to Twitter. Only got a couple responses this week. I kind of waited to waited till the last second to, to get the question out there. Uh, but I got a couple really good responses, so I'm going to read those before we give our response. So the first is, uh, Dustin G said, Johnny Depp, his work from the 80s to mid-late aughts helped me through some really dark times, and his films throughout these years took my mind off things, really got me into film even more, and saved me once or twice, even named my daughter Lily Rose. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's awesome. Wow, yeah. Yeah, and a beautiful name. Um, so, so I love that, and I love... Um, just the, the honesty of that response and that, you know, movies and, and personalities can really have, have power over your life uh, in a good way. That sounds dark and ominous. <laughs> Johnny Depp controls you. <laughs> no, but just, I mean, like you said, it can get you through dark times. I know that's, that's a big reason why I got into movies so much it was, you know, in high school, I, I really latched on to... To movies and started focusing on you know how to how people go about writing movies how people go about directing movies you know started latching onto actors and directors and and it really it's it's a great distraction but it also keeps your minds um, you know focused it's not a passive thing it's not like right. you know I think a lot of people have this idea about movies about like oh it's just like 
I don't know, junk right. food for your brain or whatever. Yeah, you, and it you zone be. out and it just hits your hits your eyes. and Right, which it can be, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it can also be extremely stimulating. Um, and I think if you have a, a personality, you know, an actor that engages you that way, like, that's a great way to, to be distracted. I mean, I do the same thing. I latch on to, to very, Natalie Portman being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been known to to latch on to, a, to an actor and go through a phase, I call it, where I'll just look on IMDb, find movies that look interesting, watch as many as I can in like a month or two until I move on to something else. And it's a great distraction. It's fun. It gets you watching movies you wouldn't normally watch. It's, uh, yeah, I love it. And Johnny Depp, that's an absolutely good response, especially that time period for Johnny Depp. He's kind of gone off the rails a little bit, uh, both in his personal life and in some of his choices uh, of movies, which is unfortunate because, yeah, his movies from especially the 80s and 90s, phenomenal. I mean, Edward Scissorhand, come on. Oh, yeah. One of the best movies. Uh, one of Tim Burton's best, too. He's also kind of gone off the rails a little bit, in my opinion. Um, roughly in about that same time period, weirdly. Um, so the, the next response is from One Way Lane, who responded, Blake Lively. She's been cast in a lot of bad roles, but she's a great actress and also a fashion icon. I actually uh, haven't, I don't know if I've seen Blake Lively in anything. I know, I absolutely know who she is. I can picture her immediately and I get the fashion icon thing. Like I definitely, I can tell from your face, you don't, you have no clue who that is. And I can't even think of, of anything she's been into. Let's see. Oh, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movies. I say, like, there's a chance in hell you've seen those. <laughs> wow, you're, you're really on a roll with choosing these movies that I've never heard of, or never seen, at least. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm certain you've heard of it. Anyway, um, yeah, I haven't. I think uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Plants is about the only thing I've seen her in, but I do really like her. Like, she's just, I think I even follow her on, on Twitter. Like, she's just one of those people. It's like, oh, she seems like a, like a cool person. Um, and I really want to see A Simple Favor, which is her most recent movie, her and Anna Kendrick. I have heard nothing but good things about it. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about the plot, um, but I've heard it's quirky and fun and amazing and that I absolutely need to see it. And I missed it when it was in theaters, so I'm waiting for it to come out. Uh, I, I've made a goal for, for 2019 that I'm going to see at least, bare minimum, 100 movies that are new to me. So I will add that to my list and uh, hopefully it'll be out pretty early in, in 2019 so I can watch it soon. Alright, so now that we've we've talked about some other people's responses, what was your response? I'm very curious because you are not the type of person that that tends to latch on to an actor or actress the way I do. That is correct. I did not have an answer. What? Unacceptable. I I I have a lot of <laughs> names that I wrote down and I put question marks next to them. Uh, I couldn't really pick any one that I, I mean I could pick two. One is Scarlett Johansson. She is amazing at face acting. Yeah. Uh, she's pretty good at em emoting. Nice to look at. Sure. All fine qualities. <laughs> uh, Alan Rickman, just because he's Alan Rickman. Ho. Ho. <laughs> Ho. Uh, it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, Bill Murray. Uh, he's a really interesting, uh, interesting person. From what I read, uh, always plays interesting characters uh, in his older movies and especially in his more modern movies. Yeah, I guess at the top of my list is actually a voice actor. Okay. Billy West. Good choice. All right. He does Fry from Futurama and like at least a dozen other voices. Doug. Doug. From Doug, which you've from never Doug. watched. Yeah. 
He just does a lot of voices, and every time I see like an interview with him or something, he seems like a really interesting guy. I saw him in person once. Yeah. And Marina Sirtis. Yeah. We saw her, talked to her a bit, invited her to hang out with us. <laughs> yeah, she said no. Well, she didn't no, she, say no. She didn't say no, but she didn't come. Yeah. <laughs> she said it with their actions, not with their words. <laughs> uh, she seemed pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. She's hilarious. Yeah. And, and so nice. She talked with us for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that was but, fun. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of anyone that, other than Scarlett Johansson. And, and even then, it's... Like, I know she's been in movies that I really have no interest in watching, so I won't, probably. All right, that's fair. So, I, I mean, obviously, my answer is Natalie Portman. Yeah. Like, just obviously. I mean, that's just clear from the context of this episode, let alone other episodes. Um, so I'm not going to get too much into that response, but I didn't want to just leave it at that and not say anything so, as I mentioned before, I am known to go through phases where I'll find an actor. I've gone through multiple Natalie Portman phases. Where I'm like, I'm going to yes. go through all of her movies. Like, probably once Again. every year, <laughs> maybe every two years at the most. Um, yeah, I'll go. There's still a couple, weirdly, that I have not seen. I Kind of like you were saying, like, eh, I just don't have any interest. I'm sure she's amazing. Um, but I've seen most of them, several of them multiple times. But... Other actors that I've gone through phases with, um, definitely Scarlett Johansson, even though she's she's gotten a little iffy in uh, recent years in her hunger for awards, I think is what it comes down to. Um, not, her, not the quality of her performances, but the roles she picks, um, but that's a conversation for another time. Who else? Uh, you would probably remember better than me. Uh, those are two of the biggest ones that I, I've definitely gone through phases more than once. But uh, currently, I am, I'm just at the cusp of a new phase, yeah, yeah. Uh, which would be Kristen Bell. Yep. Uh, we just started watching The Good Place. God, it doesn't even seem like it seems like forever ago. Like, it, I just feel like I've always been a fan of that show. And I'm like, no, we just watched it like three months ago, four months ago. Something like that. Um, yeah, we, we binged watched the first season in a weekend, which for me is nothing. I can do that easily. But for you... You don't binge watch shows like I do, um, but we binged it in a weekend and then over the next week watched season two and then now we're, of course, caught up with season three and and I absolutely love it. I love the show. I love her and I, I've liked her even before that show where I'm like, she just has that personality where it's like, I don't even know what she's been in. Kind of like, like what I was saying with Blake Lively where I'm like, I don't know what she's been in, but I like her. Yeah. Like I've always kind of felt that way and like... Veronica Mars has kind of been like on my radar, but I've never seen it. And now I'm kind of like, all right, like, like Hulu's relaunching it. And like, I think next summer they've said they're going to put all of all of Veronica Mars on Hulu and then like prep for like September when they release like the new eight episode season or whatever. So this summer we're going to be watching Veronica Mars, or at least I am. Uh, we watched Bad Moms yesterday, which was the first time I had yeah. watched that, uh, which was partly because of Kristen Bell and partly uh, because we've been through a Christmas phase, also trying to really get in the Christmas spirit. So I wanted to watch a Bad Moms Christmas, but you can't watch a sequel before the first movie. That's just ridiculous. But yeah, so that's my current phase, which is, again, is probably pretty obvious for anyone listening to these mini episodes, the number of times The Good Place has come up, and, and I feel like I've mentioned her specifically a couple of times, uh, but she's just hilarious, and uh, yeah, exactly my brand of humor, at least 
like in interviews and stuff. So I'm curious to see her in stuff because I really haven't until The Good Place. So uh, if anybody has any Kristen Bell recommendations for what I should watch next, send them my way. And I can almost guarantee I will watch it within a day or two because that's how these phases work. Anyway. All right. So then I guess I will uh, play us out and wrap this up. Uh, So I'm going to be playing uh, Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon. If anybody was wondering why I played that song in the beginning, it's because I watched Bad Moms yesterday or a couple days ago and I was like, Oh yeah, that song that was really popular for a hot second like three years ago. <laughs> I like that song. So I've been listening to it. Yeah, so uh, here it is. And on that note, thanks so much for listening to this mini Nitty Gritty Reviews episode. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We'll be posting another mini episode. Uh, we'll be posting another two mini episodes next week, as well as one more post today. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. And uh, season two launches with all new episodes on January 9th. We'll be doing Marvel Mondays on the first Monday of every month and then every other Friday. Eventually, I'll have a schedule of upcoming reviews over at grittyfilms.com. Not there quite yet, but sometime before the season launches, it'll be there. So keep an eye out for that. And if you liked what you heard in this episode, be sure to contribute to the conversation. Gritty Films can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all with the handle at Gritty Films. And that's Gritty, of course, spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y. You can also email us at grittyfilms at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what movies we get, perfect tens, for you and if you have any Kristen Bell recommendations I would be interested in that as well thanks again for listening and we will see you next time